Thank you for listening to Voices of UMass Med, a podcast produced by the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Office of Communications. Welcome to the Voices of UMass Med. Every parent of school-aged children knows just how true the saying is that it takes a village to raise a successful child. We're recording this conversation on location today at Worcester's North High School where a big announcement was made to expand the partnership between the University of Massachusetts Medical School and public schools in the north quadrant of the city of Worcester. We have two guests today. Their names are Cola Akindale, Assistant Vice Chancellor for City and Community Relations at UMass Medical School. Welcome. Thank you. And Maura Mahoney, Manager of Social and Emotional Learning in the Worcester Public Schools. Welcome, Maura. Thank you. So we're really happy to be having this conversation today. Let's start by listening to a clip from the announcement made by Chancellor Michael Collins. It's a great privilege to announce that the University of Massachusetts Medical School North Quadrant Support Services Program is today awarding $38,000 in grants to teachers in our city schools. We see this as a very wonderful win-win situation. These grants, while individually modest in size, will allow teachers to meet their uh, students' needs in new and exciting ways. Cola, tell us about these new teacher grants and how the idea came about. Yeah, so it, it came out of conversations we had with some of the school adjustment councils and teachers as well, too. Um, many of them expressed um, so the desire to do more with the students after school and in class um, and to expand some of the learning experiences that students had but you know those limited resources to do those things mm -hmm. um, and when we asked them you know some of the you know when we started North Quarter support services we we had this idea of sort of meeting some of the needs that existed in the quadrant mm -hmm. and when we asked them what their needs were this sort of came up to the top of the list um, so we thought you know one of the best ways we could strategically allocate our resources to to meet those needs is to do a, uh, these grants to sort of enrich classroom experiences for students and to provide funding for them to do it so we're talking about uh, about $38,000 in all, yeah. $1,500 grants will go to most of the teachers, uh, 27 and then five additional will get um, $1,000 grants, mm -hmm. mostly for transportation. Can you give us a sense of, uh, there were 70 applications for this, a lot of enthusiasm yeah. for yeah. it, um, tough decisions I would imagine, and Definitely. what did you ultimately end up deciding to fund as a committee? So, you know, one thing we wanted to do, and we made this uh, sort of our, our main priority was to make sure we funded at least one application at one school, right? Because we wanted our, our impact to be felt, you know, quadrant-wide. Uh, so that was our number one priority. The second thing we wanted to do was to make sure that we addressed um, the, the highest number of students as possible, met the, the, their needs. So. Um, where there was an application where that impacted a large number of students. Um, we also made that a priority as well too. Uh, and, and lastly, you know, need is always the key. Where um, this need couldn't be met um, through other means, we thought we had the obligation to step in and, and address those. So I, I think those were the, the, the three priorities that we we, we, we kept top of mind um, when we went through this application process. And Maura, give yeah. us a perspective from the school. Um, there's a, clearly a lot of enthusiasm from mm -hmm. teachers and students for some of these extras mm -hmm. in the classroom. How does it help students? Well, I think, um, you know, I was um, actually quite thankful to be able to be at the selection um, at the meeting that we had last spring. And it was great because 
there were so many things that teachers and um, adjustment counselor staff and, and wraparound um, got another got one of the ones I believe up at Union Hill yes. want to do for the students, but there's really no mechanism, and it seems like those little things that make a big difference. Um, one was for you know helping families with stability, with um, as Julie Amy was talking about today, a field trip for every ninth grader to go to do some team building. Um, but then the buses are the issue. So, you know, we can often find, you know, different ways to capture and to offset, you know, the $10 admission, but the busing is a huge issue. I mean, I think that's always, even within, just within the city, to get a bus to go on a field trip. Um, so it's really those little things that we all know would make a big difference, but the money's just not there. And because so much of the money, you know, whether it's through the, the school department budget or the city budget or grants, it's very tied to specific things. It can only be used for specific things. So to have the opportunity to say, hey, I need you know, X amount of microscopes to do a STEM project without having to move heaven and earth to get it, to know that it makes a big difference for the students is really what it's about. And you mentioned uh, one school adjustment counselor who spoke at, the, at today's announcement. Her name was Julie Amy Sariva. Let's listen to a, a brief soundbite from her. Receiving this grant has been completely amazing. Here at North High School, this is our fifth year that we are taking our ninth grade students to what we call our Adventure Challenge Experience. Um, it's a partnership that we have with UINC where we allow all of our ninth grade students to go participate, learn leadership skills, really get to know their teachers outside of the classroom and build relationships with one another. Um, as we all know, ninth grade can be a really difficult transition for students. And this year is the first time ever that actually our transportation to provide for all ninth grade students will be fully paid for because of this grant so we can make sure that all of our students are able to attend. So I thank you very much for that. Maura, give us a sense of the doors that, you know, these experiences can open up new doors mm -hmm. for students that mm -hmm. just aren't possible in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Any stories you can share or about, about the impact that that can have? Well, I, you know, I, I think back to, you know, I think the field trips are a great opportunity and just to expose students to things that they normally wouldn't be exposed to for different reasons. And again, um, I was having this conversation <clears throat> with some staff last week that if there's a field trip um, and it costs, you know, whatever it costs, there are some students who will intentionally make it that they can't go on the trip because they don't want to ask for the money. Um, elementary kids will be very open about this is what I need but once kids hit middle school or high school the pride and the shame and everything sort of kicks in so you know I've actually worked with students who would say well you know what I know we don't have the five dollars for the bus but I'm not gonna say it and I just heard them say that if you get suspended once before the field trip you don't go so if I get myself suspended then I don't have to tell people that we don't have the five dollars Wow yeah. Yeah. So paint a picture for us. Um, social emotional learning, I think, is catching on in a lot of school districts. Very happy. And, uh, but for people who may not be familiar with that, mm -hmm. what does that encompass mm -hmm. and how does it sort of work with the academics? Well, the academics are obviously, you know, the focus of school. But if you are struggling emotionally, you can have the best teachers, you can have the most vetted curriculum, the most competent staff, all the equipment in the world. But if as the student, you're not receptive because things that are happening in your life, all of that doesn't matter. So with different social-emotional initiatives, we're really trying to help students get those skills that they need. We all have bad days. There are all days where we would much rather 
you know, be anywhere than where we are. But we know, okay, I have to, you know, hold it together for a few hours. I have to, I can't take out what happened last night on my coworkers. I have to make good choices. So it's really teaching students that because I think as a society, we've just, we don't do that. So give us a sense, what are some of the needs that students in the city of Worcester are dealing with? inside mm -hmm. or outside of school? Mm -hmm. Well, we do have, you know, an incredibly, we have 10% of our student population is homeless. So... 10%? 10%. Yeah. Um, wow. And the vast majority of those are, are doubled up, which means that you're living with somebody for economic, because of an economic hardship. So, um, or living in hotels, motels. I know, you know, we spoke a lot last year um, when families came from Puerto Rico and mm -hmm. were relocated to hotels and motels. and. You know, people say, oh, that's not bad. And my response is, you know, I know after four days at Disney in a high-end resort, it was tough. Um, so to help, have to struggle with the outside of school stuff and to bring that into school, to not know where you're going to be staying. I mean, for, you know, the homeless students, I think, you know, just not knowing where they're going to be sleeping that night or being in an overcrowded situation and not being able to do homework because there's no quiet place to do homework, mm -hmm. those types of things, and mobility, just moving a lot. And then associated with that, I imagine, would be where's where's my next meal coming from? How, right. how do I get lunch money? All those kinds right. of things. I mean, we're actually, you know, I think for such a large city, we, we are very fortunate to have supports, you know, like medical school and, and many other partners. The lunch thing, we do have, um, every child gets free lunch, but from 11.30 to 8 is a very long stretch. You um, said that you're very happy that social-emotional mm -hmm. learning is taking more, getting more attention mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. public schools. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that transition and how you came to be so committed to it. Um, I've been a social worker for 30 years, and I think really social-emotional learning is just, you know, sort of social work with another, another title. It's really helping give folks the skills and the tools that they need to be successful. Um, I think more and more districts are seeing that it, it's not about putting effort just into curriculum and, and teaching, but to helping the whole child. That if those needs aren't met, if a child is hungry, you're not going to learn. If a child is, you know, in clothing that they know is dirty and that other kids know is dirty, they're not going to learn. So to and to teach those skills also that we all need and we all need to understand patience. We all need to learn how to tolerate frustration. We all have to wait. And those just aren't skills that students or adults really are being taught. You're listening to Voices of UMass Med, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of the University of Massachusetts Medical School. So many of the needs that students in this instance, but in particular, um, are, are really hidden. They're unseen. <laughs> and so, Cola, can you tell us a little bit about how the <coughs> North Quadrant Support Services Initiative that was started at the medical school seeks to sort of address some of those unmet, hidden, sometimes hidden needs? Yeah, so uh, I, I think it's, it's multiple folds. Um, what we've done in the past is really um, had conversations with a lot of the school adjustment counselors and teachers to, to get a sense of what is hindering academic success in the public schools or in, or in this quadrant. Um, so, for example, what we've done in the past um, through a generous grant um, from the Remlod family was to 
uh, install washers and dryers. We have, I think, washers and dryers uh, in five schools. And this was to address, you know, sort of an, an absenteeism problem. Um, kids were missing school because they had unclean clothes and didn't have the resources to, to wash their clothes. So uh, we stepped in and um, provided washers and dryers at these five schools. Um, we've, um, I think we're in our second year now of providing backpacks filled with school supplies to elementary school students to make sure that they start up the school year with all the tools that they need um, uh, going forward. Um, we funded driver's ed courses um, for students so they, they can, you know, uh, provide a living or provide some resources for their families as well too and to incentivize them to come to school. Uh, um, as well. Um, so those are some of the needs all based on our conversations with school adjustment councils and teachers as to what um, is hindering academic success in the, in the quadrant. And this um, is really just an extension of a two-decade partnership yes. between the medical school and the North Quadrant yeah. schools. Take us back to sort of the beginnings of that and how it's evolved over time. Yeah, you know, so the what's the pipeline collaborative, which, which um, is what you're alluding to, is it's of this 21-year academic partnership where we we, we take on um, students in the North Quadrant and expose them to careers in in the health sciences um, and, and the biotech careers as well too. Um, what we found though, while sort of doing this, is that we couldn't reach the academic success that we wanted for the students if there were sort of these social hindrances. Um, so we had to sort of step in um, and, and find a way to address some of those social hindrances so that we can get the students to where they need to be, so that we can have them um, take on the jobs that we need them to, to take on uh, in the industry. So um, again, after a presentation that the chancellor attended, um, at the Worcester Public Schools, he came back with a determination to address some of the social issues. Um, he had sort of a not in our backyard mentality, right? Um, that we couldn't have kids um, come to school hungry, we couldn't have kids missing school due to unclean clothes in our backyard. We had to do something about it. If we we're addressing their academic needs, we also had to address their social needs as well, too. So you raise a good point on the medical schools part. This is, in some ways, a, an investment in our future workforce. Yes. There are students who have graduated yeah. from these North Quadrant schools mm -hmm. and are either practicing physicians or now in medical school. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I give an example of Nagoy Ba, who's a North High graduate um, and is a current, I believe, a third-year medical student now. Um, you know, she's been actively engaged um, with the North Quadrant Support Services, um, and she was she went through our Worcester Pipeline Collaborative actually too. So um, she, she sees a need there, and and this is her way of giving back. You know. There are a couple of reasons why, why we do this, right? One is that it's the right thing to do, right? Um, we can't be neighbors in this quadrant and see these things happening and sort of stay silent and not be active um, in addressing some of these things. The second thing is, um, you know, we have a vested interest, right? We're, we're an anchor institution. Um, and by anchor institution, I mean, you know, due to the service, by virtue of the service we provide, we can't relocate, right? So. Uh, our futures and the futures of the city are inextricably tied, right? So what bodes well for them bodes well for us. Mm -hmm. So um, we've got to find a way to address some of these issues that hinder academic success because one, it does two things for us, right? If the schools are improved, we're able to attract top talented um, um, uh, staff to our institution. Secondly, we're able to sort of pre prepare the next generation of people who will take on the jobs at our institution. Um, and make sure that they're adequately prepared to do that. So um, I think those are some of the two things that are top of mind when we 
uh, when we decided to do these things. You acknowledged the generosity of the Remillard family. A couple years back, the Remillard family, with a $3 million gift, uh, allowed the medical school to start a community service fund. But they weren't the only source of funding for these teacher grants. Can you talk a little bit about more about the the um, inspiration of our staff and students? Yeah, you know, the, the incredible generosity there. So, you know, as you mentioned, the Remillard family allowed us to start off this North Quadrant support services. So we did the food pantries and the washes rise. We have a workplace charitable campaign that takes place every year, um, and you know, we we because we wanted to sustain the effort that we, we, we already started in the North Quadrant Support Services, we, we, we decided to sort of create a fund within our Workplace Chadwick campaign to, to help us continue the work we're doing in the North Quadrant Support Services. We've talked a little bit to our employees and our students about what we've done thus far. We show them videos about what we've done thus far, um, and they heard about the impact, and they were inspired to raise more than $60,000 to um, sustain the work that we're doing in, in the North Quadrant Support Services. So we're incredible, incredibly grateful uh, for their generosity. Maura, I would imagine that the challenges uh, on your plate sometimes seem immense and overwhelming, uh, but what would be your goal? What's a good day for you? Hmm. Um, I think that, you know, the, the goal is really still to help people understand the need for these initiatives and anytime we can you know sort of move it in a little bit in that direction is wonderful I mean there are people who might think <clears throat> excuse me oh you know what's a thousand dollars for a teacher going to do it makes a huge huge difference and it's really it's starting it um, I think that next year there's probably going to be even more and more applications as people hear about this being an option because I think that you know the uh, on my email you know, sort of the, the little inspirational quote that I have on the bottom is that we will find a way or make one. And I think that, you know, opportunities like this are really giving our staff the opportunity to find ways to do what it is they want to do. So much of teaching is very structured and the curriculum is set and things that teachers have to do. And these are the things that really just let the teacher take it a step further that they might want to do an experiment, that they might want to get the students out doing an activity, those types of things. So, I mean, as far as a good day is anytime we as a district are able to, you know, meet one unmet need, whether it's money for the field trip, whether it's giving a, a mom, like, you can come into school and, and do the laundry instead of taking, you know, 10 hours and all your money to get it to the laundry mat, you know, if you can even find one anymore. Um, so anytime we're able to do that to help a family and a child, then we are helping them with the academic success. And again, we could not do it without all our partners because it does really, it takes a village. And fortunately, we're a big village with some very generous villagers. Thanks to both of you for making time to talk oh. with us. Well, thank thank you. you. You've been learning about the Medical School's North Quadrant Support Services Initiative, a partnership with the Worcester Public Schools. Our guests were Cola Akindale, Assistant Vice Chancellor for City and Community Relations at UMass Medical School, and Maura Mahoney, Manager of Social Emotional Learning in the Worcester Public Schools. Thank you for listening. I'm Jennifer Berryman, Vice Chancellor for Communications at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Thank you for listening to Voices of UMass Med, a podcast produced by the Office of Communications at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Visit our website at umassmed.edu news where you can find all of our podcasts.
and follow us on Facebook at UMass Med, on LinkedIn at University of Massachusetts Medical School, and on Twitter at UMass Medical. Mm -hmm.